What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? A woman after God's own heart? What does that person look like? How can I be that kind of person? Do they sin less? Do they make no mistakes? Do they have their life completely together and everything figured out? Are they liked by everyone? Do they always find success in everything they do? I would think this kind of person would be far closer to perfection than I am or could ever be. But that's not the picture the Bible paints with David's story. David was an extraordinary man, but was, as Chuck Swindoll describes him, also an ordinary man, gripped by destructive passion, rocked by family chaos and personal tragedy. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. Join us as we draw courage, strength, and hope as we dig below the surface into the life of a person that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. You know, I want to paint a picture for you. Uh, It's 1982. Some of you, (laughs) that was not in your world, and some of you go way back. But uh, 1982, and it's a, it's a balmy day in a, a stadium called a Badger Stadium. And this stadium is in Wisconsin, and uh, it was packed with 60,000 people uh, ready to watch uh, their team take on Michigan State University. So they're all fired up for this, but quickly realized that they were outmatched and uh, that uh, Michigan State was just pouncing on them. But there was something unusual about this game because those 60,000 fans were standing up and they were cheering. They were screaming. They were high-fiving each other and it just didn't make sense. Like how was this happening? Well, come to find out there was a game going on down the road about 70 miles away. The Milwaukee Brewers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals. And I believe it was the third game of the World Series. And what was happening was their team was winning. They were all plugged in to listening to that game while they were watching this game. And I thought about that as I read that story that that's really what we're learning about the life of David. Like, how is this guy going through all this crazy stuff? The game that he's living, the game that he's seen, yet he's able to continue to march forward. And if you think about it, it's because he was tuned in and listening to something that he wasn't experiencing and seeing. He was tuned in to the almighty living God. We've been walking this journey together for five weeks now in the life of David, and we'll close this series next week. We've seen this life go from the ups and the downs to the good, to the bad, to the ugly. And I think I've learned a lot, and I hope you have. But today we're going to look at uh, some of uh, David's life after what we call the cave. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, um, (laughs) thanks for getting me out of bed. Thanks for getting us out of bed and giving us another day of life uh, that was not promised to us. God, you are so good in so many ways, and we want to just pause for a moment and just say thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. God, I know... um, I know there's been some challenges just in my own, my own walk, and I know 
in a room filled with this many people that perhaps uh, the same could be said in, in other people's lives just with some of the stuff that's happened. But God, we continue to show up. We continue to uh, be willing to listen. And we want to thank you, God, for what it is that you've done and what it is that you're going to do. I love you and we love you in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said. So if you haven't been with us on this journey, I mean, basically we've gone from watching this young teenage shepherd, the forgotten child, uh, be anointed by the, uh, the prophet at that time, Samuel, to be the, the next king, to taking on, David taking on this giant Philistine giant, remember, nine foot and, you know, tough, and David says, you know what, God saved me from lions and bears, he could save me from this, and then he took on uh, Goliath and won. Uh, the people went from chanting Saul's name to chanting David's, right? Uh, Saul's killed or is, is killed thousands and David's killed tens of thousands. So he's gone from shepherd boy. And, and like I said last week, from zero to hero, right? And, and so we've seen some of the good and the bad and the ugly in this. Then he gets married. He's got a good best friend, Jonathan, happens to be his father-in-law's son. And we saw a lot of stuff going on there. Then we find out that Saul wants to kill David. So here's mentor, here's king, here's father-in-law, wants to kill David. And this freaks out David. It would freak out you too, wouldn't it? So here's David going from the top of life to just running scared for his life. Last week, we found that he was in a cave and uh, we dealt with a difficult topic that continues to uh, show up in conversations. Even this morning, uh, I shared that I think that David was clinically depressed. And I said this, I think that uh, depression is not a sin. Making the choice to stay there uh, is. And so um, again, he's in this darkness uh, and then he cries out to God over and over again. Even though he didn't feel God, we learned that um, he continued to cry out to him. And I think that's really an important lesson for us today. I shared last week that just because I don't feel God doesn't mean God exists. And then when I feel him, all of a sudden he reappears, right? And God's existence isn't based on what Rob Denton feels. God is who he is because he is. Amen. And so one of the things I love about David's life is even though he's in the darkness of this cave, he continues to just cry out to God and God allows his family to show up. <laughs> and if I'm David, I'm like, God, did you not hear me? I'm already miserable and you're sending them. Now, before you think I'm anti-family, just remember who David's family was. And you'll understand that it was a bunch of crazies that showed up. And then God sent 400 other riffraff. So here, here's David. I don't know if you're like me, but when you're in the cave and you're feeling all sorry for yourself, it's your own pity party and you don't want anyone else joining it. Amen? And here's this cave filled with darkness and dark people. So that's where we left um, David. So the game that was being played before him wasn't looking so good. But we're going to see that David had the ability to be tuned in to the bigger picture of what was happening. And church, if I don't hit that again, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Some of us are so focused in on the life that is right in front of us, the life that we're living, that sometimes we need to zoom out and see the big picture. Amen? That God truly is in control. So let's look at Psalms 34. 
That's kind of our review here. So we're going to look at Psalms 34. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. And these fine gentlemen are going to be making their way down. And they'll get you uh, God's word. Psalms 34. Again, we're fortunate enough to see some of the things that David wrote when he was in this darkness, when he was in this cave. Psalms 34, verse 4. Uh, says, uh, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. What does all mean, church? All means all, whether Greek, Spanish, Italian, whatever. All means all. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with what? With shame. This poor man called and the Lord what? This poor man called and the Lord what? And the Lord heard him. Church, underline this. Highlight this. Claim this. This is so important. Here's this man that is, 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 is literally uh, beside himself. He's, he's covered in, in maybe guilt and maybe shame and maybe anger uh, and, and confusion. It says this man, this poor man called out and the Lord heard him. I want to tell you something. The Lord hears you. Even when you don't think he's there, he is. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he what? And he delivers them. Now here's a great verse. Taste and see that the Lord is what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So, so when the TV's on at my home, there's sports or there's what I call brain dead television on. Now, and what I mean by that is my family, I think I've shared this before, you know, they're all into the NCSI this and the lawyer show that and the crime scene this. I don't want any of that. My wife and my older son, they're like, why? And I'm like, because that's, I live all that stuff during the day. I don't want any heartache during television time. So sports which heartache is Dodgers right now, so we don't have that on. But then I learned of this thing, was it HGTV? All those fix-it channels and, and, and restore this house and that. I mean, you know, their greatest problems is that, that, that tent the house for termites, whatever, big deal, you know, comparatively. But so I've been on that for months, but I found a new station and there's a new show and I know this has been on forever, but Welcome to 2018, Rob. Easton calls it Triple D. And I'm like, Triple D. Okay, so what is this? It's diners, drive-ins, and dives. Oh, you've seen it. <laughs> so so last night, it's like 11 o'clock. And, um, you know, I know you think your pastor's in a prayer closet praying for you on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock. No, no. Now, Dodgers lost 14 to nothing. I needed some happy, so I turned this on. That station's on. Eason's laying next to me. And I'm telling you, at 11 o'clock last night, everything on that show looked beautiful. Like, I told Eason, I'm like, the only thing wrong with this show is that, is it Guy? Is that his name? Guy, guy doesn't reach through the TV and hand you a bite. It's like, that's not fair. He brings you through this whole process. And so last night, it just happened to be the best Philly cheesesteak ever. And I'm looking at this thing going, oh, I want to taste it. But I can't. David says what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I could taste that sandwich if I got in my car and drove all the way to South Carolina. 
But you know what's cool about what David said? I don't have to get in a car. I don't have to drive thousands of miles. For you and I to taste the Lord and see that he's good, that's available 24-7. I even pray that you taste and see that the Lord is good right here, right now, today. If that means you don't hear another word I say, but you taste and see that the Lord's good, amen. David is tasting and seeing that the Lord is good even in the cave. You go on in verse 17, it says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to who? He's close to the brokenhearted. I think it's at times where I, I feel so distant from God that the pain is so overwhelming or, or, or there's, there's, there's so much heartache that I, I, it's at those times, sometimes I go, God, do you even give a rip? It's kind of like what we talked about with David last week with the cave. It's kind of hide and why. You know, why me, God? Why me? Why do I have to do this? Why, why, why? And it's at those times that I believe God's heart even breaks. I don't think he wants his children to have heart, uh, heartache, to, to have broken hearts. And, and when we think he's the least likely to be with us, it's the most likely that he's with us. He's not like, Rob, get your act together and then I'll come love up on you when you're lovable. He loves me no matter what and he loves you no matter what. Amen? The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects, I love this. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. So this is David in the cave and, and he's beginning to climb out of the cave and he becomes a stronger man when he comes out of the cave. And, and, and really, David was forced to be a fugitive. He was on the run in the wilderness of Judea. Uh, he was training all those crazy people. And I think part of his healing was, first of all, to realize, man, if these guys are who they are, I guess I'm not that bad. So just look around. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's not as bad as you think it is. And then God uses David to look outside of himself into others to pull him up. And I shared this last week. I think God uses us even when we're hurt. And this we see happening. So this, this leads us to the very first principle that I'd like for you to write down today that I think is so important that we can learn from David's life today. Keep showing up. Can you say that with me? Keep showing up. Can you say that again? Keep showing up. Sometimes, sometimes the best thing and the only thing we could ever do is just show up when we don't want to. Because life can be difficult, can it? With relationship, with finances, with future, with kids, with spouses, with no spouses, all the things in between that and things that I haven't mentioned, life can be difficult. And one of the things we can learn as we have unfolded and looked deep into the life of David is David just kept showing up even when it was hard. And sometimes that's the best advice that I could give you is just Keep showing up. And, and here's a little bonus to that. It's not just showing up that, that David did, but most of the time he showed up and did what was right. Even if he didn't want to. And that's what I think is so powerful about this life. He kept showing up and he kept doing what was right. Here, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Go to uh, Psalms, Psalms, you're in Psalms. Go to 1 Samuel and we're gonna go to chapter 24. 
one of the strangest, most awkward, weird passages uh, that we come across, across in the life of David, but here it is. Um, <laughs> so you go like, well, what is it? First Samuel 24, after Saul returned from pursuing him. So David's out of the cave. Saul's still going after him. Um, David goes and runs. In verse two, it says, so Saul took 3,000 able young men from Israel and sent out to look for David. Do you think that Saul wants David's head? I mean, he's got 3,000 and not just some old codgers. He's got 3,000 young guys, it says. We're gonna go get this guy. He was passionately seeking David's head on a platter. Well, then comes this passage in chapter three. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. You can laugh. It's okay. Saul went pee-pee. Saul went to relieve himself. So here's David and his men, and they're in the cave knowing that, 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 that Saul's on his way. He, he, Saul, Saul comes in there. He relieves himself. And it says, David and his men were far back in the cave. Saul has no clue that these guys are there, and he's just going and taking care of business. And then it says in verse four, then the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of David. When he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. David, it's happening. God is being faithful. He's so good. Saul's over there going pee pee and you can take care of him. Yes. Now, I make light of this, but seriously, none of us have a clue of what David's life was like because of Saul. David would sing to Saul, would play music for Saul. David put up with the manic Saul. He never knew who he was going to get. And, and this guy, this guy was, was after him. He was jealous of, of David. He was, he was angry with David. I can't imagine the depths of which the pain that this man brought to David. And there he was, vulnerable all by himself. I could see David just kind of, right? He didn't pull out his cell phone and pull out his flashlight app. But he's quietly going through this cave. And Saul's doing his thing and he's getting closer. And I'm thinking, if I'm David, I'm thinking, how am I going to take this guy out? What am I going to do? How, 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 how am I going to just finally be done with him? And he goes up to him. And the Bible says, and he goes, and he cuts off a piece of his robe. You're like, what? What? Like, you didn't take the sword and just go, off with your head. You didn't take the sword and just put it right through the middle of his rib. You didn't go and, and tie him up and torture him by making him listen to Rob Denton's sermons? I mean, there, there's so many things that, that David could have done and he goes and he cuts a piece of his robe. What is he gonna go do, sell it on eBay? Game used robe by King Saul. It doesn't make sense. 
until you read the rest of the story. Saul's finished. He zips up his zipper, makes his way out of the cave. The Bible says that David follows. You're going to have to read all this for yourself, but this is a crazy stuff. David feels guilty about cutting a piece of Saul's rope. <laughs> like, I am so far from being that person. How about you? Like, vengeance is mine, says me, not the Lord. Like, 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 here's what I'm thinking. I would, I would, um, I would say, God, you know, all these guys said, you did this. These guys all said that, man, you've delivered Saul into my hands. Because they did, right? And that's why I did it, God. That's why I killed him. But he didn't. He just cut the robe. And instead, he feels guilty about that. He feels shame about that. He stands at the mouth of the cave and he shouts out to Saul. You can imagine what Saul's like, whoa, 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 what, are you, whoa, whoa, what just happened? And then he says, hey, I could have had your neck, but I spared your life. And here's what Saul says in verse chapter 24, verse 17. You are more righteous than I. Here's this guy that's far from God, Saul, that chose to turn his back to God. He sees this, this situation. He hears what David says. He's probably shaking in his boots going, boy, did I just dodge that one? And, and he realizes what's happened. And his response is, David, you're a better man than I. You are far better than me. You are more righteous. You are closer than God, to God than I am. And you know what? He's right. You know what the difference between David and Saul is? Not, there's not a whole lot. They both put on, you know, <laughs> their robes the same way. Uh, they both ate and digested the same way. They, they both were incredible leaders. They were both uh, strong men. There, there's so many things that their lives paralleled. Uh, one was king and one was going to be king. There's so many things and, and that were so parallel, yet one chose to serve themselves and one chose to serve the living God. That's really the only difference there. One was consumed with poor woe is me and one was consumed with a living God that had created him in his image. And so David, David lets him go. And then we read the scriptures and we see there's a second opportunity in which arises where, where David is able to uh, take Saul's life. And that's in 1 Samuel, uh, you'll see that, um, I think it's chapter 26, you'll see that, that, that Saul uh, is, 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 is vulnerable again and David has the opportunity to kill him and he doesn't. One of the things I'd like to say is this, and there's so many side little you know, things that we can learn from this. But when we continue to show up and we continue to do the right thing and people are watching this, it impacts their lives. 
You see, when you imagine if you're one of those 400 crazy guys that's now trained up and you're going and conquering with David and you're seeing David pray at night and you're seeing David uh, sacrifice to the Lord and you're seeing God, uh, David, try and do the right things and then you see Saul being delivered into to, uh, to David's hands and you see David not take that opportunity to take vengeance, but instead he has a guilty conscience because he cut a, a piece of robe off. Can, don't you think that affects these guys? And they watch up close because of David doing what's right. I think that impacted their lives. And by the way, know this, as people watch you through the hard times in your life as a Christ follower, you too can have an incredible impact in their lives for the Lord. Eventually, What's interesting is Saul takes his own life, doesn't he? It wasn't David that took his life. It wasn't a great battle that took his life. It wasn't David's army that took his life. Saul got to the place where he goes, I can't do this anymore. And the Bible says he fell on his own sword. Saul took his own life. You see, that's what happens, church, when, when, in a life that chooses to say, I'm going to turn my Mac to God. I'm telling you, I don't know how people do it today without the Lord. Other than I know this, they're not doing it. They're not. It may look like that on the outside, but in the inside. As a Christ follower for 30 years now, I'd rather do life hard with Christ than easy without him. Pride destroyed Saul. And pride can destroy us, can't it? I think one of the things that's beautiful about going through this life of David is to, to relate and to come alongside this guy that didn't have it all together. Right? He didn't have it all together. It was a roller coaster with ups and downs and twists and turns. The only consistent thing was the track. And God is a track. And he chose to stay on the track. What are you choosing today? What am I choosing today? Saul ends his life by falling on a sword. David becomes king. He defeats the Philistines. He um, conquers Jerusalem. He sets up home, the Ark of the Covenant. There's so much good things that begin to happen for David. His life is, 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 is climbing to that top again. You know, the people are shouting his name, credibility, not, amongst, not only amongst the people, but in his own life. He's probably feeling a little bit better about himself. And, and what I call this as, a, as a, the next thing, uh, the next principle is uh, uh, keep trusting God. Yeah, that's what David did. He just kept leaning into God. He kept tasting and seeing that God is good. And, 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 and I, before I move on, I want to stop and say this. I want to tell you how important you are to this guy. I don't know 
all the stuff that you guys go through. I don't know all the good, and I don't know all the hard, but I know some, as I've shared before. And there are many times in my own life, driving a car, laying in my bed, where I am weak, but I think of you and your story and how you've continued to show up and trust God. And I want to let you know that your story encourages my story to keep going. We share sometimes at staff or someone will come into my office and go, Rob, uh, here's a story you need to hear. Or we'll be at a, a, a lunch. And it's just encouraging week after week to hear about the victories that are happening in your life. And can I tell you, as one human being to another, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you that you continue to show up and you continue to lean into God, even if you don't feel like it. And I want you to hear at least one person from one person's mouth. I draw courage from that as I face my own stuff. Keep trusting God. And I, I think what's cool is when we continue to keep doing what's right, showing up, doing what's right, trusting God, I think we go from the back seat to the front seat and we get, we get some front row views of what God is doing, not only in our lives, but others. And then we get to do some pretty amazing things and we get to be a part of some amazing things just because we're showing up. There's a story in scripture I wanna share. I, I remember sharing this at a men's breakfast uh, last year at some point. I'd never heard of this and I just kind of pulled it out of nowhere. Someone showed it to me and it's in our passages that we're kind of talking about. It would have been easy to run by, but I have to camp out there for a second. Are you ready? I know you're as excited as I am, okay? So we're going to go, and it's in 2 Samuel. So we're going to go uh, to 2 Samuel, and we're going to learn a about a story here. 2 Samuel, I think it's 11. Nope, it's 9. 2 Samuel um, chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. So, so again, uh, just keep showing up, right? Keep showing up. And, and here we have David, uh, Saul's, uh, you know, uh, is dead now. David's king. All this stuff is happening. Verse 1 of chapter 9 of 2 Samuel, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, I need to give you a little bit of history here. When one king takes over for another king, basically there needs to be no evidence that that other king was ever there. No evidence of anything physical or no family. It's like they're done. They're out of here. We're moving in. That's the past. We're the future. But here's David, and it says something about his heart. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I could show what? Kindness. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is the family that, that, that was a part of chasing you down and yet you want to show kindness? Tradition says just move on and you want to show kindness? Yeah, because I'm David. Now, David didn't always do the right thing. But here you just see again a piece of his heart. He says in verse 3, the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I could show kindness? Ziba said, uh, answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, but he's lame in both feet. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makar of Amil in Lobdabar. So King David had him brought. 
And then in verse six, it says, when Meshiboshath, son of David, or son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay honor. I'm gonna suggest this, that if I'm Mephi, we're gonna call him Mephi. And by the way, if you're pregnant and you're looking for a new name for a child, Mephi Bosheth, I mean, it, it sounds good. Hear the kids calling Mephi on the playground, right? I, I'm scared because I know what my grandpa did. And I'm thinking, why does King want to see me? He knows all their traditions. He knows, he knows he's, probably, he's probably in a lot of trouble. Death may be knocking on his door. David said, Mephi Bosheth. At your service, he replied, don't be what? Don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will what? Always eat at my table. Look at verse eight. Mephi bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me. No one ever gave him any attention. No one ever put any kind of self-worth on this man's life. He's crippled. In that society, you're done. Probably sinned or your parents sinned. A dead dog like me. And David says, no, 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 you get up. And from this day forward, you're sitting next to me at the table and we're eating together. Did Mephi do anything to deserve this? No. You know what this is called? Grace. I'm not sure you've even seen this or I've even seen this up to this point in scripture. It's not like David was going, you know, I, this really stinks. I don't feel like doing this, but Jesus did it for me, so I'll do it. No, 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 that hadn't even happened yet. David, a man after God's, God's own heart, who kept showing up, who kept trusting God, God put this on his heart. David ended up in the front row to see what God really wanted to do in and through him. And he showed kindness and compassion to a life that no one else had showed kindness and compassion. And he extended grace to Mephi. Church, I may be going out on a limb here, but I don't think so. I think this is a picture into what was going to happen when Jesus came to this earth. And he too said, you're crippled, you're sinful, you've fallen short, society is done with you. Maybe you're done with yourself. But Jesus said this, I love you enough to die for you. And God said, I love you enough that I'm going to send my son to die for you. You could sit at my table. You could sit at my table. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Grace. Keep showing up. Keep trusting God. 
And then the last life principle that I like to throw out is pay attention. Because you know what happens after this? David's at the top. Everything is going amazing. And then you get to chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. Verse one, in the spring at the time when kings went off to go to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Then in verse two, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. You continue reading the story this week. The woman was Bathsheba, right? And he went and sent for her and the Bible says that they uh, put some Kenny G music and candles and that's a loose translation, but they uh, got connected. Uh, she went down to CVS in Jerusalem, got a pregnancy test, came back that she was pregnant. And uh, David flips out, sends for the husband that's at war, figures that he's been at war for a while. He's going to bring him back. He's going to want to go hang out with his wife, if you know what I mean. He's a better man. He doesn't do that because he does what is right. David finds this out, goes, well, I better get this guy drunk, gets him drunk, sends him to his wife. Again, he doesn't fall for this because he's just dialed in and does what's right. By the way, I was reminded this week of one of a statement one of my Bible college uh, professors made. He said, Uriah was a better man drunk than David was sober. Now, that doesn't justify you going home and getting drunk today because I promise you'll screw up. But Uriah had better morals drunk than David did. But Rob, you just got done talking about how this guy's so amazing. He is, but he's human. And this beautiful woman tripped him up. And just that there's a whole sermon. You guys have heard him, right? David and Bathsheba. But let me just say the one thing that I always draw from this is in the very first verse of chapter 11. In the spring at the time when kings go off to war. You see, if David had been where he was supposed to be, this would have never happened. If David was where he was supposed to be, this would have never happened. And I look back on some of my greatest mistakes in my life, it goes right back to that. If I was where I needed to be, I wouldn't have ended up where I shouldn't be. Now that's not for us to leave here guilt and shame, it's just one of those things. You know what, especially when life is good, we need to pay attention. Amen? Because that's when we get blindsided. That's when we get blindsided. Now, the good news is we're not going to leave David here. Next week, we're going to conclude the series, and we're going to see grace just abound. But I wanted to introduce you to that thought today because I would never want you to leave here feeling like you've screwed up so much that God doesn't love you. We're all Mephis invited to sit at the king's table the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So much information, amen?
crazy. I mean, we went through about 11 chapters of stuff right there. So go read this stuff, different pieces, you know, um, from the cave and Saul and his thing to Mephibosheth to, to, to David and Bathsheba. But there's got to be something that you could pull from this. There's got to be some hope that you could grab a hold of and apply to your life. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep trusting God. Pay attention. Father, thank you. I pray this for my own life, and I pray this for every life sitting in here today. I think the cool thing for me, God, is that um, about David's life is that uh, I can relate to, to so many different aspects, feeling like everything was great, uh, everything was falling apart, and everything in between. And God, just thank you for his life as an example of how you're with us through it all. Help my friends in here to keep showing up, to keep trusting in you, to pay attention, and to experience your grace over and over again. I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website, WVCCH.org. Thank you for listening.